Welcome back to this week's Treasury Career Corner. This is, again, another amazing archive episode from 200 plus episodes. This is with the amazing Leanne Perkins. Leanne and I spoke back in December 2019. OMG, quite a long time ago now. She was at that time with Ion Geophysical, oil and gas company. She then made a move throughout lockdown. She now works remotely. You can hear her journey at the end of the episode. She's an incredible lady. She gives you some more nuggets. She's done some further study and everything else. Just enjoy it. Wherever you listen to the podcast, give us a thumbs up if you would. Much appreciated. I'll shut up. I'll let the episode speak for itself. Listen at the end. She gives a great update, and I can't wait to see you guys all soon. Let's get on with the show. This week's show, joined by Leanne Perkins, Assistant Treasurer at Ion Geophysical. Now, as I just described with Leanne before the show started, she will describe what Ion do because they technology, lots of different areas, and she gives it a much better framing, if you like, as well. Now, Leanne is actually a South African. They recently won the Rugby World Cup. Not that I'm bitter and twisted, <laughs> but damn you. So congratulations <laughs> on that. But actually, let's take ourselves back because you've got a very interesting start pre-Treasury and everything else. Leanne, perhaps before your career started with the Treasury, take us back to how you got started and then how you discover the world of finance and then treasury, and then we'll jump in and around. And and as we said, also again before the show, towards the end, we're going to do an early wrap-up. And what I mean by that is usually we ask the top tips. With Leanne, she's actually got some really good areas to explore. So we're going to start that a little bit earlier this week so Leanne can really dig into some of her tips for success, which I think are fantastic. So Leanne, take us back to the beginning. Over to you. Great. Thank you, Mike. It's so nice to talk to you again and to be a part of your podcast. And thank you also for bringing up that South Africa just recently won the World Cup again. <laughs> so, but England was a great player. So thanks to the whole country for competing. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, as you said, Mike, I'm the assistant treasurer of Ion Geophysical. We are a U.S.-based publicly traded company and we have significant international operations. And we're a technology leader that creates value through data capture, analysis, and optimization to enhance critical decision-making for our clients, who are the E&P companies. And we're a very interesting company. One quarter of all our employees have advanced degrees. So we have very smart people working here, and people are very passionate about what they do, and it's, it's a very nice company to work in. Yeah. And the strategy of the company is to deliver the power of data-driven decision-making. Okay. So... But you didn't, obviously, you know, you've got there now, you're the assistant treasurer there in Houston in Texas, but you, as we said earlier, you're from South Africa, but you started in a different career area, a different area, if you like, with a, a dancing career. And, well, you know, maybe take us back to that. And then when you first came across and discovered treasury and finance and things like that, give us, give us a quick whistle-stop tour of that earlier part, if you would. Yeah, I have probably a very different career path into Treasury than most people. Mm. I'm 44 years old and I'm on my second career already. (laughs) And I was a ballerina for most of my career into my early 20s when I had a career-ending injury. So I wasn't really sure what I was going to do with the next part of my life. And, you know, I had to think about it. And I decided that, well, because I enjoyed accounting at school and 
one of my dad's degrees was accounting. So I thought, well, this sounds like a good field to get into and you should probably have a career for life with accounting. So I went to university and got a management accounting degree. Mm-hmm. And after I graduated, I started working at a global petrochemical company in South Africa. And that's where I first really fell into treasury. I was in accounting for about six months and a role in the treasury department opened up. I didn't know anything about it, what treasury was, but I liked the people who worked in that department. So I thought, well, this is a great opportunity. I'm going to go ahead and give it a try. And so I worked in treasury for three years in South Africa, and then we were expatted over to the U.S. for my husband's job. And my first job in the States was at a global 100 company in the treasury department because I already had some experience. So I feel like I was really lucky being able to be in treasury. And you don't go to university to study treasury necessarily, but it was just a field that I happened to be good at and walked into and am so glad that I have. And I think it's gone pretty well from there. Yeah, so you started off with universal weather and aviation within the US, that is. What, what did they do and what was, you know, what was Treasury like there? They're a private company. They do weather and aviation analytics for private airlines. And that was really my first foray into debt management in Treasury. So we were a small department. There was only two of us. So I got to learn from the treasurer. And at that point, that's where I decided that a CTP designation would be how I distinguished myself and how I move up my treasury career. You know, I had to start educating Mm -hmm. myself in that area. So it was really enjoyable to learn from people who already had that designation and to also start in a smaller company where things were quite complex. So it gave me a good opportunity to eventually become what I think I am now as a deep generalist in the Mm -hmm. treasury field. And when you say that, you, so you, you did that role, what were the sort of, what was Treasury like in those days? So this was back in 2007 to the, into 2008 and around then. I talked with some of our clients about IT being a big driver now, you know, now, yeah. but, you know, back in those days, what was it like? Was it more spreadsheet driven or what was the sort of structure of Treasury as it were? Yeah, I think it was, you know, it was very different to the way it mm. is right now. And I think everything was spreadsheet driven. The TMS and the workstations at that time were incredibly expensive and a lot of CapEx spend. So a company that small with a small treasury department couldn't afford the cool technology. So we were just kind of learning the ropes, doing what we could to get cash management put together to manage the debt and just really figure out how we were going to mature the department from that point on. So it was very different. And also the regulations and compliance were not nearly what they are today. And so learning how to do treasury from the beginning and then learning the whole other aspect that comes along with risk management of treasury was something that I had to start learning from the early parts of my career because as the 2000s came around and the industry started changing and the compliance and regulations started becoming more important in the U.S. and globally, that was something that I had to concentrate on as well. So I think we've had quite a big shift. And I think that's what I find so interesting about Treasury, too, is it's so future looking and always changing. And I recently heard, actually, a statement that said, treasurers should be astronauts and not archaeologists. And I think that's a great way for for anyone to look at their career, really, that you've got to be forward looking, changes are coming, they're inevitable, you have to be adaptable and agile. And that's, I think, how you can summarize treasury in a nutshell. Yeah, I totally agree. And one, one of the other things I've talked on quite a few recent podcasts, a lot of the time the CFOs, you know, they seem very, very busy, but they're using their 
treasurers, if you like, as the sort of the scout in front to say, look, can you just go and scout what's coming down at me down the line, whether it's technology, blockchain, Bitcoin, mm-hmm. anything, you know, cyberware, the lot. And they're saying, can you go do that? Whilst I, you know, I do the day to day and you do the future. And uh, yeah. as you say, looking up to the stars in that case. Yeah, and I think it's actually an exciting opportunity and a a place to be because the CFO obviously has other things he has to take care of. And you have to be that person, that mature treasurer who understands that there's a risk side to treasury and you have to send solutions down the road to meet you because they're coming at you. So you have to manage what's coming And you also have to remember that risk does not respect organizational structure. So any solution you come up with has to be global in nature. And I think risk has become more important over the years. And as we get into things like cyber risk, fintech offerings and exposures, you mentioned Bitcoin, different technologies, the internet of things, AI, it's all coming at us. And if you don't adjust and accept it, it's just going to make your life more difficult. So I think... Hmm. It is really because hmm. you can't change it, so yeah. you might as well embrace it. <laughs> exactly. And then you, so you worked for a private company for three years. Yeah. You decided to make the move to IES. You know, Nasdaq quoted yeah. big construction group. You know, right. what was that transition like for you? You know, it was. I will say it was a great experience because I had never worked in a public company in the U.S. before. So it's hmm. very different to how I grew up in South Africa. And I think also at that point, you know, I was already more mature in my treasury career. So I started getting exposed to a lot more of the finance and the treasury side. And then it became the SEC reporting. And, you know, I remember my first quarter there, I was like, what? What was I supposed to do during the quarter to prepare? <laughs> so it was like, you know, baptism by fire at that point. So, But it was honestly very interesting and very exciting to learn about the whole SEC aspect and how Treasury has a lot of input into that and what you have to do every day to make sure you're staying on top of the regulations and the compliance and you know, you have to protect the company that way too. So it was a very good exposure. And I honestly had a great boss at that time too, who helped me really understand from the treasury side and also more into the finance and understanding the business side as well. So I think I enjoy being in a public company more than a private company. Why is that? And I think because I'm one of those structured, more black and white type of people, that's the way I think. So I like that there's rules and there's procedures and policies already in place. And if they're not, you can put them in. But you know exactly what you have to do, what your timelines are. And it's just, I think, a more structured approach to the way I work and how I excel, I think. Yeah. And then you made another move, you know, talk us through how these moves came about sort of thing. So you were IES for a number of years, and then you joined Franks International. Talk us through that. Yes. And I think the the driving force there was because I had the opportunity to do an IPO and I'd never done that before. And I love learning. And at that point I was working on my MBA. So Mm. this was just one of those areas that I thought, man, if, if I can get this great exposure and this understanding and really get into the the depth of treasury, Mm. this would be the perfect opportunity. So I was really fortunate to get the position and I knew going into the interview that they were going to IPO. So that was really what drove me to change. And it was honestly one of the most fascinating experiences I've ever been through. It was so difficult. I mean, I didn't sleep for a very long time because I was right at the end of, of doing my MBA dissertation and IPO at the same time. So it was a lot, but I've think that I've learned 
so much from that experience and I bring it into the public company that I work in now. I just, I think I understand a lot more having gone through that process and working with investment bankers and understanding all that technology and, and jargon that goes into an IPO and roadshows. So mm. it, was, it, it was a great experience. So I, I'm very fortunate to have gone there. You were working, you were working construction. You weren't laying bricks, so you did the construction <laughs> industry. Then you went, yeah. obviously, you're in Houston, so oil and gas, massive industry, you know, so you made that yeah. move. You know, how did the yeah. industries contrast? And then you moved on to QMAX. So, you know, walk, walk us yeah. through those moves in terms of industry, maybe. So QMAX and Ion and Franks were all really oil and gas yeah. services companies in different areas. So I think for me, Treasury doesn't really differ so much by industry. You know, it's yeah. always the same requirements. It's cash management, it's debt management, it's capital markets. And I think the biggest difference and the biggest maturity that I've had to learn going through those different types of industries is learning the business. Right. And I think as you mature in your career, you really have to realize that your understanding and your way that you manage and the way that you work has to change because it's used to being just you know managing teams, getting the work done and being good at what you do in the treasury side. But as you move up, you have to really understand the business. So it's been difficult because, you know, I'm not a technical geologist or engineer. So, you know, some of that stuff is, is a little bit difficult for me to understand. But I do everything I can to try to learn more about the business and the industry. And I do that by really inserting myself into any business meeting I can get into by reading about the industry, by talking to people who live and breathe that every day. So I think I have a good general overview of what we do in the oil and gas business. And my husband's a chemical engineer, so that helps too. I can go home and ask questions about things. So, but, but I think it's very important to learn the business. Why bother? I mean, because at the end of the day, you know, there are some saying, well, hang on. Yeah, there are some drivers in that business. But why does that give you such a, an insight insofar as, you know, there might be some people listening. Well, hang on. You know, say there's a shell, you know, someone listening from shell there, you know, massive balance sheet and everything else. Why does that make your job as a treasurer by integrating with the business? What does that give you? Or what are the, the key lessons you've got out of that that it's given you maybe? I think because you really understand what's driving the strategy of the company mm -hmm. and what you can do from your side to future-proof the company. And from the treasury side, you know, you, we're obviously we're not laying bricks, like you said, and we're not drilling for oil. But if we don't understand exactly what our company is doing and trying to do, it makes it really hard to do your own job oh. because oh. sometimes there's competing conflicts and there's competing understandings of why you can't deploy cash over here or why you have to, you know, spend six months trying to open a bank account in a complex country. So oh. when you understand what management is trying to do, I think that just filters down to your personal job. And I, I think that should be really relevant for everyone in every department that they work in. If you don't really understand what your company does, I don't know how you would really try, you know, make your goals meet your company's goals. Oh. And then you made the move and, and you said oil and gas and everything else. Describe, as yeah. you said, you did it at the top of the show with Iron Geophysical, but maybe the Iron Geophysical in treasury terms. You know, what's the treasury structure like? Yeah. And, you know, what do you guys help the business do? So I, I have a very fascinating job here at Ion. Mm. We are very decentralized. So mm. I've been here for two and a half years. So part of my goal since I started was to mature the treasury department. So we've gone through different stages and we were very much at the point where everybody in every geographical region was 
doing their own thing. Right. And that nobody was really centralizing and bringing it together. So it's been my job to run the treasury and my boss is the treasurer and mm -hmm. he allows me to kind of take over the treasury aspect and figure out how we can centralize wherever possible, how we can make bank rationalization choices and how we can drive technology. And I'm definitely a person who wants to drive obsolescence. And I think that's what's been so helpful in this company, especially because we've been able to go from some people writing down cash management numbers on a paper to actually then getting into spreadsheets and now using actual AI solutions to do forecasting and to cool. we have our own swift pick now so we're able to have cash management done every single day we know what our position is all over the world so we've been able to really transform the treasury department here it's been so exciting how that we've been able to go out get solutions network with people find out what the industry is doing how we can do better how we can cut costs and really just make the treasury department more of a partner to the company and not so much a vendor who just processes transactions. So I really enjoy what I do here in Treasury. I have a fantastic boss who allows me a lot of leeway to go out, find solutions and input them where they're the best fit. So I'm really having a good time here at ION. Great stuff. Well, it's a weird one. So when we do usually do the show, as I said to the end before, we get towards the end. I said, look, what are your top tips you give to people? And, you know, we put on the LinkedIn profile, which we will do in the show notes. Now, we're going to go to that now, but don't worry, we're not yes. finishing at the shortest podcast I've ever done with Leanne. <laughs> no, quite the opposite, because I love this bit. I know that you've had other podcasts, but you talk about you've created your own personal framework, if you like, on how you get a lot of things done. And we'll, I'll let you describe them, the four ends, if you like. But they include, and one of the things I wanted to highlight is that Leanne also is recognized by the AFP. She, you know, writes test questions for those guys. She does lots of different things as well as presenting at lots of these conferences, which I think is a key thing I'd like you to bring out as we go. But yeah, over to you. You talk about your four ends. I'd, I, you know, I'd love to pretend that they were mine, but they're yours. I think they were much better. So over to you. <laughs> You're welcome to use them. <laughs> so I look back at my career and I was trying to find out what is it that makes me tick? How is it that I can get things done as a very busy treasury professional with a very full plate and very high standards? And my goal, as I'd mentioned before, was always to mature the treasury department. So I had some time where I just thought, you know, how is it that I get everything done and making sure that what I'm doing is just taking the right path and, you know, I'm using my energy wisely and I'm in the right direction. So I started jotting down a couple of things and came up with just an easy, simple way of four ends to remember things. So, you know, it's not too difficult for me to remember. <laughs> so the first way is by networking. And I think this has been one of the best parts of my career and has helped me to succeed the most. And I think one of the reasons I can get things done is because I've built such a big network over the years. And, you know, as I said, I didn't grow up in the U.S., so I had to start, you know, finding people who were in Treasury and, you know, had similar interests and who could help me in what I was trying to do. So as a ballet dancer, you know, I learned that you always had to rely on other people. You have to be in constant sync with other people on the stage. You have to take visual clues from other people. And my motto basically became that just like a great ballet, 
nothing can be performed alone. Mm. And I think that's the same for a great project or a team or a company or a partnership or something like that. So I think networking is really where I'm able to get a lot of information from other people, what's going on in the industry, who's doing what, uh, what technology is out there. And I do a lot of networking at conferences, uh, the AFP conference predominantly. And like you mentioned, I've spoken at a few of their conferences on behalf of the AFP. And I love also just teaching other people what I know, using my knowledge to help other people broaden their careers, because I get so much out of other people. So I like that networking can do that for you. There'll be people listening here and go, it's all very well for you, Leanne. You're a naturally gregarious, outgoing person, and mm-hmm. it's easy for you to network. And you know, But if you're perhaps an introvert or someone you struggle with networking, what would you say, you know, how would you encourage those people? What, what's the best way you found? I mean, I've got my ideas, but what, what do you yeah. think? Well, I think that's actually the best compliment I've ever gotten because I'm probably one of the most introverted persons you could meet. All right. So, yes, I, you know, I struggle with that. And some of my very first conferences I went to, I was that person that, you know, hung out in the bathroom probably a little lot too long because <laughs> I was afraid of me. I mean, that's embarrassing to say, but it's true. You know, I was I was afraid of meeting new people. I didn't think that anything I had to say was useful to other people. I didn't think that I was outgoing enough to just go up to a person and talk to them. And there was really, there's been one defining person in my treasury career who brought me out of my shell. And I still talk to him and and refer to him as one of my mentors. But he was that person that came up to me one day and started talking to me and started broadening just my confidence, I think, in talking to other people because he's a very outgoing person. So he made me feel comfortable and included. And he eventually was the first person that helped me get onto a treasury board and just helped me manage my career as I moved up. And I think as an introverted person, I can see other people also struggling with this. And the way that I do it is to just, you know, try every time to step out of my comfort zone. And I learned this also from listening to a podcast a while back where a lady had mentioned, just try every meeting to say something, to to speak up. And every time you do that, you gain more confidence. And as you, I think, also learn more and you understand more about what you're doing, you, you build your confidence that way. So, I think it's just a matter of taking that step, moving out, and what's the worst that can happen? I mean, to me, I've been embarrassed. I've said stupid things, but probably those people don't remember that anymore. Yeah. So it's welcome, fine. Welcome, so. welcome to my life as a recruiter. I do that all day long. Yes. I still get paid. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go, yeah. yeah there you go. And you just got to get over it. Yeah, get over yourself. Yeah, yeah. move on. So, yes. yeah. yeah. So, well, that's one of your ends. So that's your networking. And then... Give us the other three or just just walk us through them. I love them. Yeah. So the other one is noise. And I think what Mm -hmm. we just talked about being an introverted person comes up perfectly here because Mm. we all know the saying that the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And I think that, you know, even if you are an introverted person like me, the way to make Treasury vital to the company is to promote its worth and speak up wherever possible. And, you you know, you can't be a siloed department that just does the activities and doesn't aid the end cause. And sometimes you can just focus on being getting the job done or the sale closed. But it's vital that Treasury has a seat at the table. And this way you can suggest practical views and manners in which to achieve measurable results for the company. And now my boss is someone who I look up to in this area. He's that person that takes 
what Treasury is doing, what Treasury is trying to do, and our value. And he has that seat at the table. And he's oh. earned that over the years. He's very well respected in the company. He does a great job of uplifting us as a Treasury department. So I look at him and I see that it's important to, to be invited to have a seat at the table and to speak up. And that's the way you make Treasury important to the company. Oh. And, why and you're that- able to influence others. And why does that link in with noise? Why do you sort of, you know, use noise as the sort of phrase? What I find over my career is nobody really knows what Treasury does outside of Treasury. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you can ask a bunch of people and they'll tell you either you work for the federal government. And one person actually asked me if I'm an actual treasure hunter, like Harrison <laughs> Ford, you know, Indiana yeah, yeah. Jones. And it was funny at the time, but it makes me think that, you know, people don't really know what Treasury is. So in yeah. order to promote its worth, you have to be that noisy person and you yeah. have to, you know, go out and promote your worth. And, and I do that. I insert myself wherever I can and I see an opportunity where I can help with my skills and my education. I go and I do that throughout the company and I hope that others feel comfortable doing it to me too because we all have something to offer. Every department is important. You know, the, the traditional accounting, tax, legal, they're already there at the table. You've got to be noisy as a treasury person to Useful get that noise. Seat. Useful noise. <laughs> Useful noise. There That's you go. It. We'll say that one. And then, That's and, good. And then your next one. Uh, so niceties. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of my success has been, you know, able to create collective action based on the ability to develop good relationships with people. And, you know, people get to trust you when you listen to them and you take what they have to say seriously, even if you disagree with them, you can energize people around you. And a lot of good can come from these conversations. Mm. And one example that I just did recently is I saw that we had some maybe not great experiences of trade finance in our operations team. And I work with these this department often on, on trade finance and I saw some of the struggles and these guys work really hard on getting our trade financing done correctly. And I saw areas that I think, you know, we can do things better. So I asked our bank and I asked them nicely, obviously, (laughs) if they would come down and talk to us about how does trade finance work? How does it work from the bank's perspective? What do you need to have a letter of credit that doesn't have any discrepancies. You know, what should we be doing on our side? So we went down to Louisiana where our manufacturing facility is and we had a a group of very diverse backgrounds and operations people and they were so engrossed and just interested in what the banker had to say and how they could do their jobs better. And it was just such a great time just getting everybody together, making sure that we could all achieve something that's the, the a common goal for everybody. So I think a lot can be done if you're nice about it, if you're if you have good relationships and you just want to help, basically yeah, is what it comes be, down to. Yeah. Inspiring people. Yeah, and it's it's funny, I've heard that from a few of some of my other podcasters that you know, about just helping others and teaching them and, and coaching yes. them. And just if you yeah. give it out, you know, pay it's paying it forward, isn't it? It's like right. you pay mm-hmm. it forward, it comes back. Well, I think that's, that's right. you're, you're yeah. doing a great job of that. And then my favorite, I've got to say this, <laughs> yeah. I'll let you say the words because it's your phrases, yeah. but you know, as a <laughs> treasury recruiter, you explain. Sure. So the, the last one is nurture. So it's all Ooh. about nurturing your career. And this one really <sighs> resonates so loudly to me because you know, I, I started my finance career a lot later than most people. So I've had to really be very directed and 
methodical in the way I made sure my career was going because I know what I want. I know what I want to be when I grow up and I know what it takes to get there. So I've trained myself, I've educated myself, and I've grown my treasury career to what it is by basically being good to myself and knowing exactly what I need to do to get there. And people will sway you along the way. You know, if you're not really structured and know exactly what you want, you can easily get into a situation where you're doing stuff that that doesn't really suit your skill set. It's not exactly what you want to do, and it's not your passion. Mm. And so for me, growing up as a ballerina, I always knew from the age of three I wanted to be a ballerina. I knew Mm. that it was going to be a lot of hard work. It was dedication. I missed out on a lot of things, but it was what I had intense passion for and what I wanted to do. And I think the same with my treasury career. You know, I I sat down as a as a young treasury person once I got my first CTP qualification, and I was like, right, now this is the person I want to be. What do I have to do to get there? Mm-hmm. And so I've been very structured and nurtured my career. And you know, what I will say is. You know, a lot of people have said to me, oh, well, you know, we can't get our companies to pay for these things. So basically, we just, you know, have to do free webinars. But one of the things I've done, and, you know, it's been a sacrifice for sure, but I've paid my way through both of my degrees, my CTP qualification and my ACT qualification that I'm doing next year. I, You know, it's not company funded. So it's because I'm so passionate and driven about what I want to do. I make that sacrifice to nurture my own career. Amazing. I mean, just fabulous. I mean, as I say, you know, the end of each of our, and again, we'll include these in our show notes. So you networking, noise, niceties, and nurturing your career. Nurturing. Yeah, I think it's just fabulous. I mean, just anything else, you know, those are the the things that you structure. But again, we'll put your details in the show notes and people can connect to you if it's right for your careers and theirs and things like that. Yeah. But just looking back over it, anything else that sort of just bubbles to the surface that again, someone's listening today and we've discovered that, you know, in, in say around Europe and UK, a lot of the mm-hmm. listeners are sort of analysts and managers and they're trying mm-hmm. to work out how to, in the nicest way, get your job yeah. <laughs> and get up the top. And then we've got a lot of listeners from the US and it tends to be, you know, a bit more senior in audience with some of the treasurers listening in to hear sort of war stories and some of the things that you've been through as a you know, as an assistant treasurer and things. What, what sort of final points would you leave us on today? What, what sort of things? I think it's important for anybody at any stage of their career to just realize that you have to be astute, you have to be adaptable, you have to be really focused on what you want, what the goals of the company are, and how they align with yours. And I think I'm one of those people that just knows that, you know, you have to continually train and companies don't always take the steps to train their own employees. So sometimes you just have to do it yourself and you have to learn new skills. And it doesn't always mean, you know, having formal education. It can be informal education too. You can go and talk to people who know about treasury or who have had these experiences and learn from other people. And I think you really just have to be satisfied with what you're doing and I think it shows in your in your job and in your passion if you really find yourself to be some way that you like what you're doing and then you're able you know I'm not one of those people that honestly believes if you love what you're doing you'll never work a day in your life I mean I'm I'm a realist I know that every day is a struggle at work and not every day is roses and joy some days you just want to you know retire at that point (laughs) you know you just also have to realize that you got to put yourself in a position where most of your day you're doing stuff that suits your skill set, that you enjoy, and 
you're using your energy wisely because if you get pulled into something that, you know, where you become that fungible person that will just take on anything because the work has to be done and it's not really your skill set, you'll find yourself not really enjoying what you're doing. And I, I think that can be said for any career. So I make sure that I, you know, I'm methodical about the work that I take on. And sometimes you just have to do other things you don't really want to do. But as long as it's not your full-time job and it's where you're spending your majority of your time and your energy, then you can, you know, just help out where you need to. But you really have to know exactly how your skills can benefit those of your company. Yeah, just keep moving forward. Amazing. Leanne, amazing advice there today. As I said earlier on in the show, we sort of had to you know, get onto your four ends, which I thought were brilliant to, you know, the listeners. I think people will really enjoy that. And, you know, thank you for your time. As we said, yeah. again, hopeful of actually having Leanne on a panel 2020 when we do a, some Treasury Career Corner live events in 2020, talk to people about their careers and we'll explore other areas of Treasury, which I'm sure we'll do. And just fantastic. Thanks for your time today. Really appreciate it and, and look forward to seeing you next year. Yes, you too. It was wonderful talking. Thank you, Mike. Many thanks. So I hope you guys all enjoyed that amazing conversation with Leanne Perkins. But I'm pleased to say she rejoins us on the line now. It's strange to be a few years later now. We originally published that episode back in December 2019. We're recording this at the end of Q1 2022. A lot's happened with Leanne since she and I spoke. She was originally Assistant Treasurer at Ion Geophysical, She's moved on from there. Life has moved on. We've talked about it. We've had the pandemic. We're now coming out of it. She's moved roles. She's working remotely. She's got some more amazing takeaways for you guys. I'll shut up. Leanne, pick up the story from there. Leanne, over to you. Thanks, Mike. It's always fun to talk to you and also to talk treasury. And as you said, you know, a lot has changed in the last two years. And COVID has been very strange and difficult at times for a lot of people. But at the same time, it was also a great opportunity for people who just decided to take the bulls by the horns and just uh, forge along. Yeah. And I think COVID gave me personally a lot of opportunities. At my company I was working at, Ion Geophysical, which was in oil and gas, we had so many opportunities to operationally help the company and strategically help the company. So in those sometimes very stressful situations, it helped, I think, the CFO see the importance of the Treasury Department and really help to uplift the profile of the Treasury in the company. We were able to do a lot of things like get government loans for the company to help liquidity and solvency. And I think it was just really an opportunity that, although difficult and very long hours, just helped us to, to really be confident in our skills as treasury professionals and look for ways and opportunities to help the company just stay afloat, but also to help it meet its strategic objectives. So as I said, it was a tough time, but it, it also was a time for us to be very proactive and very useful to a company. And you, made, as you talked about there, and I mentioned you you made a move during that time as well, plus also straddled that, you know, because you weren't busy enough with that move that you also, you know, did some study, because I know that self-improvement is a big thing for yourself. So 
Can you bring the listeners up to date with that as well? Absolutely. So yeah, as if I wasn't stressed enough at the time, I decided to just add it on. But I actually, while I was still at ION, decided to keep working on my approach of nurturing my career. And I felt at the time that my skill set and my education, although well matched, I thought there were still some areas of treasury that I needed to learn. And I wanted to just have some more international experience and technical knowledge. So I enrolled in the Association of Corporate Treasurers Fellowship Qualification, and it was one of the best things I've ever done for my career. It was 18 months of sheer slog and hours of work, but it was so rewarding, both in, I think, the learnings that I got, but also the networks I made in Europe And friends I made too. And to this day, I still contact, we have a a WhatsApp group where we contact each other if we have any technical questions or just need some help on treasury, things we're working on. So it was genuinely one of the best things I've ever done. And I believe that the FCT is the pinnacle of treasury qualification. So I I think I'm pretty much done with studying for for the Yeah, I bet you are. (laughs) But I've heard as well that it's it's well, one of the Adam Richford was one of the prize winners in the past on yes. the on that course. And I placed him in a role. And then shortly after that, they had a profits warning and he just put away all the books and put them back on the shelf. And he was like, right, where do we go from here? You know, and that's that's public record. But he was like, it gave him a framework to sort of deal with a lot of those problems. Did you find a similar thing that it just gave you that sort of back up in the back of your mind, if that's the right way to put it? Absolutely. And I have all my books and printouts from the studying on my desk all the time. And I do refer to them. And my mentor, who's also in the UK, and she's an FCT qualified treasurer as well. And before I finished the exam, she said, the most important thing is to make sure you've downloaded all the notes because you're going to refer to them in the future often. And she's right. I use it all the time. So, you know, there's some things you don't remember if you don't use them every day. So having those notes has been good for my, my working career, but also it just helped me to sort of reframe what I'd learned in Treasury in the past and how to put that into practice, which is really the point of the FCT is not just to have the technical knowledge, but how to use it in your career. And then, you know, again, pity, you know, your feet up, obviously not working that hard, studying, pandemic. Oh, let's let's move jobs. Let's take on a new role. Let's, and also an interesting situation because, you know, you took it on and it's 100% remote role. Can you, again, fill in the listeners? Because they're, you know, if their heads were reeling already and you were doing yeah. this and living this. So talk us through that. I'm feeling tired just talking about this. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> but When I applied for this job, I was so grateful to have studied the FCT because a lot of what I'm working on now in my new job comes from the experiences and the education that I I got in my FCT because I now work with a lot of risk roles in, in my job. So I work at Specialized Bicycle Components, which is a leading producer of high-end bicycles. 
And I've got to say, I've got to jump in here. I've got one. I just said to Leanne, I cycle back on it. I love it. It's my favorite bike. So yeah, sorry. Got to say, big fan of the company. Feel free to send me freebies. That's fine. No problem. Let's move on. Thank you for being a customer. (laughs) Oh yeah, anytime. But talk us through, you just mentioned there, I just wanted to sort of go back a stage. The... You getting that role, and I know that it was an interesting process with it being a 100% remote working job. We've got that issue at the moment that people have said, oh, we're coming out of lockdown. It was five days a week from home. Well, now we're going to come in one to two to four to five days a week back in the office, which yeah. is a you know really weird situation. And I think I was talking to a client the other day who was saying, oh, we're thinking about four days. I said, that's a competitive disadvantage. By you saying this to guys at whatever level they are, they're like, I don't want that job. With yourself, they really embrace this. So again, I'll let you fill it in, but I think that's a key thing I wanted to ask you about. So can you explain that if you would? Yeah. So when I saw the job spec advertised, I was so excited because I really have been a brand supporter since before we moved to the US. My husband has almost an entire factory of specialized products in our house. And so when I applied, it was advertised as, you know, being in Morgan Hill, California. So I decided to apply anyway, because my husband would always support me and come with me if to move to California, if that was, if I did get the job. And I, it was such a great job and the job spec really suited me. So I, I wasn't hundred percent convinced I would get the job that I would be worthy of it. But as we went through the interview process, I think I proved myself enough to the company that they had decided that if I wanted to stay in Texas, I was the right person for the company. So they would work with me that way. And you're I was- in, And you're in, whereabouts? You're in Houston in Texas, is that right? I'm in Houston, Texas. Yeah. So I'm, I'm two hours ahead of them, which works to my advantage because I get to start my day and do the banking and do the, the queries that come overnight because we're in over 100 countries. So there is a lot of work that goes on during my evening that you know, I need to complete in the morning. So I think it's a benefit that I am in a different time zone, but I also am able to meet with my boss during the day before my day ends. I still have time to put in, in with him. And you know, sometimes I'll work later at night just to, to get the California work done as well. But being remote really helps me because I can use my time you know, the way it suits me best. I am a morning person. I tend to fade pretty quickly. Seven o'clock is not unusual for bedtime. <laughs> Shouldn't say that out loud. Nice. But I I work very well early. So I, I get up early and I'm, you know, I'm energized during the day. And I think also, you know, my boss trusts me and so does the C-suite because I've been able to prove that and to deliver results quickly in, you know, the first three months that I was there. So they know that if work needs to be done, I'll do it regardless of the times. But they also give me the autonomy to work within the times that I need to. If I if I have to step out for a doctor's appointment in the day, they have no problem with that because I'm trustworthy enough that I'll get the work done in the time that's needed. So I think it's an advantage for people who want that type of autonomy. And the company is global. So Mm. there's no ways that all of us would be in California anyway. We're in many different time zones around the world. So I think I'm just one other person in a different time zone who's able to contribute to the company and to do the work that they need to. And I also am a person that works well 
in my own space. So I'm on Zoom meetings all day. I do go to the offices every quarter to to meet with the team and to meet with my boss uh, personally. I love that interaction. It's a very energetic company and we have a great time for that week. I don't always get a lot done during that week. (laughs) So I come home and, you know, catch up. But I think it's important for people to have that connection, whether you're 100% remote and never go into the office. It's making that effort to be fully connected with your teammates and and your boss and and everybody else that you interface with. So I think it's very much a what you make of it situation. And I, I would be okay with going back to the office if I had to, but I think I work very well this way. And I've, I've proven it over COVID in you know, my last job, we were also remote the entire time. I think it's, it's just making sure you hire the right people, that they, they have the energy and the ethics to work remotely, but also that they're motivated as they continue in their roles. So it's up to the teammates and, and the boss to make that effort to ensure the person is motivated in their role and they're doing the work that that's rewarding to them as well. And just before, so we don't have to go back and edit this. One of the things, yeah, and you mentioned that you didn't, you don't do that much when you're there. It's quite the opposite. You're doing lots of stuff, but it's more actually seeing people face to face and going through that rather than, you know, just doing your emails and and plowing through that stuff. Would that be right? That's correct. And that, you know, that is a great point because it's really important to have those relationships nurtured as well you know work is not just completing the everyday tasks but it's very much being a teammate and being integrated with people I mean that's how you get things done is by having great relationships with teammates and in treasury you know I I think we have a job that's front-facing so you know we're always dealing with bankers and vendors and investors and and clients but we're also very interfacing you know everything that I do is with another teammate or another department you know treasury is no longer a siloed department we are very integral to projects when we work alongside other departments so if you have and can build those relationships well with each other that's how you get things done and and that's how you have that balance in your job as well yeah amazing well we're going to wrap up today's episode because leanne and i we could could redo this episode all the way through but we're not going to because we appreciate people and they want to sort of they've listened to you so but as you did you gave some amazing advice then What's your amazing advice now? We'll put your LinkedIn details in the show notes, but the takeaways, we talked a little bit there about studying things, but you know, what are you, what are you feeling now? Bring us your, your latest nuggets of gold over to you, Leah. <laughs> Thanks. So I think from, you know, what we went through, through COVID, I think it's an opportunity for people to learn from the tough times. This is not the last time we're going to have a difficult global situation. We're in another one right now. But I think it's important that when you're looking for a job or you're in a job to really have that good work-life integration. So, you know, make sure that that the job you have is something that you're proud of and you're building relationships to help get the essentials done. But it's also important to know exactly what you want in your job and, and for it to be part of your life. And I have the saying that, you know, to have a job that's really something you want and you're proud of, you've got to have elements of autonomy, which 
is what I have now with uh, being remote or even when I was in the office to not have people micromanage you, but to have that autonomy for you to use your skills to the best of your abilities. And when you need help, ask for it. But autonomy is very important to me. And mastery, you know, you want mm-hmm. a job where you can use the skills you have and you can hone them in that company and you can really just reach the pinnacle of your chosen profession that way. And purpose. I think it's incredibly important to work at a company or, or in a job where you feel you have a purpose. You're doing what you want to do. You're doing what you believe is right. And you're working for a company whose values you can respect and admire. And then I think the fourth one is balance. Gone through COVID where we were all expected to do more with less. I think it's very important to have that balance in your life where you can work hard, be proud of what you do, put in everything you can to your job, but at the same time integrate it with your life because life will always go on and we'll always be busy outside of work. So when you can have that autonomy, mastery, purpose and balance, I think you can have a job that you're very proud of and that you can enjoy because work work is tough. Yeah. Try to try to enjoy it while you can. <laughs> An amazing takeaways yet again. What an amazing treasury professional that I can't wait to see in real life one day soon. Leanne, thank you for your time today. I can't wait, as I say, to catch up. Keep going. An amazing company. Keep enjoying the role. As you can hear, people, this works. You can work remotely and achieve the same results, if not better. So it, it is out there. So thank you very much for your time. You've been an absolute star as you were before. Thank you, Mike. Always wonderful to talk to you. Thank you.